Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter and the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. As an entrepreneurship, you start to become a little more aware on these issues. And I think it does make people at least maybe not on social issues, but certainly on on financial issues, a bit more fiscally conservative because it affects you. It affects you pretty significantly. Hi, you guys. Welcome to episode 34 of CJ Pearson Uncensored. Just wrapped up an incredible trip in Dallas, Texas. And guys, I literally have to tell you, I love Texas. Could definitely see myself living there. A little bit hotter than what I'm used to, even being from Georgia, going to school in Alabama. Uh, but guys, like that place, if, if freedom was personified, I guess, by a place, it would literally be the state of Texas. A little bit ironic, though, and, and maybe I might be amending that statement because right now I'm actually in Florida attending the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. And I've got to tell you, it feels very, very free here as well. Now, I don't know if I'm going to have the access, the type of artillery uh, that I did back in Texas. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out my Instagram, go check out my Facebook. Um, definitely uh, one of those iconic pictures I've ever taken um, on there with a uh, I don't even remember what all the guns were called. Um, like, like guys, like I'm a big gun guy. I love to go shooting. Um, as far as being a gun enthusiast, not necessarily one of those. Um, not a collector. At least not. Yeah, gun enthusiast. Yes. Like who doesn't love guns? Gun collector. No. So, but like those guns. Apparently, people are telling me like those were the craziest guns. And I actually ended up just um, having that opportunity by hanging out with a friend of mine who, who had a friend who. Um, has like a literal arsenal um, at his place, which was insane. Um, and, and then those guys are super, super cool. And so, um, you know, speaking of that friend, I, the guy that I actually met up with while I was in Dallas was Old Row Swig, who is the founder of Old Row. And, you know, for those of you who are, you know, who went to Alabama or go to any SEC score is in, at all involved with Greek life, you know what Old Row is. And, um, and, and so, of course, uh, Mike is always my favorite guy to hang out with because he's always 
always the best time, always so cool. And and really is just such a fighter for truth and, and just really principled conservatism. And he actually will be joining us later today uh, in this episode right here. So I'm super excited about having him. Um, but guys, you know, CPAC was interesting. You know, there are a lot of good speeches. You know, I was there working it um, with Vernon. Vernon gave a really good speech, so that was exciting. Um, and really just the crowd was insane. People are hungry. Guys, people are hungry, though, not for, like, this lukewarm concern. We talk about it all the time on this show, right? Like, people are hungry for actual people who know how to fight, know how to lead, know how to get things done. Not people who are going to back down the face of the left. Not people who are going to, you know, tuck their tail in between their legs and run away from the fight. But people who know how to lead. And, guys, I'm, I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited about the future of conservatism because it is looking incredibly bright incredibly bright um so guys definitely stay tuned on that stay tuned on the movement you're gonna enjoy this conversation that i have with mike from old row uh this guy this guy is it this guy is it when you talk about you know everyone talks about these woke corporations taking america hostage pushing the the liberal agenda down people's throat even from the soda you buy um to the underwear you wear apparently is now a political statement and it shouldn't be But if that's what the left is going to do, we better fight back. And someone at the forefront of that fight, leading that fight against this corporate just radicalism, the wokeism of all these new corporations, is Mike Schwartz. Old Row, listen in. That interview is up next. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey you guys, CJ Pearson here. Welcome back to CJ Pearson Censored episode 34. Guys, this is probably one of the episodes I'm most excited about because it's like literally like we're talking to a total normal guy, but this guy's absolutely not normal at all. Anyone who like goes to an <laughs> SEC school or any college for that matter knows this guy's interact with his brand at the very least. It's old row. And this guy, like it, it, it's it's crazy because he's number one, such a bro, but like number two is like so base like he gets the issues he's like one of the one of the biggest like fighters on the in the conservative movement and honestly just really keeps him honest you talk about you know on this show we talk about the fact that like we're gone are the days of the mushy you know gop that's just seeking this respectability politics bs but we need people who are actually going to fight fight not just like in the political realm but also in the cultural realm and that's one thing i've always respected about old rose the way they've done that so the man the myth the legend the the brains behind that entire operation mike schwartz joins us now uh mike thanks for coming on pleasure glad to be here so mike i, I think like before we even get into like uh you know the, the meat of the issue like how did like tell us about you like how'd you get it started i know you went to oklahoma state like where did where did old how was old row born first and foremost? Um, man, that could probably be an entire podcast on its own. It <laughs> it's, it was a long, long journey. Um, I'll kind of skip some of the super super early days, but it kind of started as a internet forum. Um, back when like social media wasn't nearly as big, like Facebook was at every school by then, but um, Twitter was kind of just starting and Instagram was basically just for girls. Um, so it was kind of like a, uh, a message board for like Southern fraternity guys um, that it was very particular. It was like guys that were like into widespread panic and like the Southern jam band scene. And a lot yeah. of us were like Ron Paul libertarians or uh, ex libertarians like myself now. Um, but it uh it really just started as like a community kind of like when you see like a rivals board um for any of the uh you know the sports teams like basically every team has you know um did i lose you guys no you're so good something happened on my uh up oh, there we go um yeah that was really weird uh <laughs> sorry about that um yeah it was just like a message board for like you know bros and it, it it's kind of funny it like turned into this community where a lot of people that just knew each other from the boards um ended up becoming pretty good friends in real life um you know when some of these jam bands would do nationwide tour people were going and staying with guys from the site at like cities or getting at, at the very least bar recommendations and there's you know people like meeting up and going out and hanging out at bars and stuff so it turned into this this really cool um kind of like a internet fraternity type culture um and then one day uh i believe it was in 2014 um i made some koozies and i was running the site at like a loss in college um 
and it was just like fun. I, I just thought it was like a really fun, cool thing. It was unique. No one was really doing anything kind of like what we were doing. Um, but I made some koozies for everybody on the forums and I expected to maybe sell like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 of them. And I, it, we didn't even have like a store. It was like a PayPal, like buy button link. Um, and the next day we had sold like 400 and I was like, dude, what is going on here? And someone was like, Oh yeah. I like took, uh, the link to your checkout and posted a picture of the koozie on Twitter. And we were kind of like, huh? <laughs> like like mm-hmm. e-commerce, the way you see it, like wrapped with uh, social media wasn't really so much a thing back then. Um, but that kind of gave me a, the idea of like, all right, maybe this could be like a legitimate business. Like, I'm going to start doing uh, more of this. So we started doing t-shirts and it kind of fit with like the jam band scene, but also like the fraternity date party scene where we were doing these t-shirts that were kind of like parodies. Like at a lot of our fraternity date parties, you would make like a shirt that was like a beer shirt, but would have your fraternity party information on it. We started kind of doing the same style of shirts, but for our brand and it turned into kind of like a monthly drop. And we were using this site called crowd tilt, uh, which ended up turning into Tilt um, that was kind of like a mi- like a mixture between Kickstarter and Shopify. And it allowed me, like I was working, uh, you know, fresh out of college, working full-time at a startup. This was kind of like my side hustle. Mm. It allowed me to operate with um, no, uh, no inventory. So we were just selling like a mock-up essentially. And um, then I would place the order after that kind of, sales window would finish and um then the shirts would get printed come in and i was shipping them all out of uh the second bedroom in my apartment and i was doing that for several years we scaled up to the point that i started a shopify store i was going to the post office so much like the ladies at the front started making me go to the back um and this is the the big post office off of oaklawn in dallas i had to go to the uh the loading dock in the back and i at one point I was going before work and after work every single day delivering like 200 packages and it just became yeah. super overwhelming. Yeah. And, uh, and we were doing all this with like no ad spend or anything. It was all, all organic. People just really liked what we were doing. Um, and, uh, at that point I, I hired a warehouse in Orlando, um, and that enabled me to do more social stuff, um, because I wasn't spending all of my free time chipping boxes and, um, it, it allowed us to scale and we, we started focusing more on social media. So instead of just focusing on the forums that were kind of like private and people were just posting their own personal stuff there, like we started posting content. Um, and there were some competitors out at the time. Um, but the, the real catalyst for us was when Snapchat came out, it was a very sketchy app. Like people were using it for like hookups and drugs. And it was like, it was almost like you didn't even want to tell people like if you had a Snapchat and I had a jailbroken phone at the time. I've always kind of been like dealt in like the breaking tech stuff. And it just interests yeah. me. So I had this jailbroken phone and I got this thing. I think at the time it was called Phantom or something similar, but essentially yeah. jailbroke Snapchat. So we started using it. I believe we were actually the first business ever to use Snapchat. And wow. what we started doing is using it as a submission tool for social media. So this mm. is back when like Twitter didn't have video. They, I think they had images. 
but uh, basically some of our competitors, like the way it would work is at the end of a big party weekend or something, people would email them the content from that weekend after they connected to their computer and like uploaded it. Um, mm. We were able to kind of surpass everybody in the space um, because we didn't have to wait for people to send us that content over email at the end of the weekend. People would send us a Snapchat and I was able to download it. And this is at the time where everything on Snapchat supposedly was deleted forever. It was like you view it once and then it's gone. I was able to download it and then we would re-upload to Twitter and Instagram instantly. So you started getting like content from these events, you know, football games, SEC games, um, parties, all sorts of different cultural events. We would get that posted like immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like how our business model started where it was social wrapped um, e-commerce and we're deploying merchandise and featuring people wearing our merchandise at events. Um, it caught the eye of, you know, Barstool and I sold the company to them in 2016. Um, and this is right around the time that, um, you know, uh, Trump was running for office and we had done political shirts in the past. We had done shirts for Ron Paul. We'd done shirts for McCain. We'd done shirts for Romney. Um, kind of regret <laughs> some of those. Um, but uh, when when Trump came down the escalator, like especially on our forums, I believe this is why we, we still had the forums before they were gone. Um, but everybody saw what he had to say at the elevator speech and our entire community was basically sold on day one. We're like, this is what we've been saying for years. You know, as a lot of people that came from like the Ron Paul side that were already not super happy with the Republican establishment. Um, and then uh, Donald Trump had this attitude, this like swagger where it was like, this guy isn't a politician. Like this guy's fucking awesome and he's hilarious and yeah. he's a troll. And he's like, it just really vibed with like what we were already doing. Um, so we got behind him fully on day one and we were in there like people were still pushing for Jeb. Um, some of our competitors were pushing for, you know, all of these just neocon establishment guys. And we would just go after people. We were just relentless yeah. and ruthless. And in the early days, people like thought it was like a joke. They were like, these guys can't be serious. Nobody was backing Trump. I think Ann Coulter was on TV backing him and everybody else thought it was just funny. And we saw it and like the stuff he was saying was speaking to so many people that we resonated with that might be conservative leaning, but were so just dissatisfied with the entire process that they were never going to vote. But those people were starting to get excited. And that's when I was like, dude, Trump's going to win. Like, the first week he had announced, I was like, he's not only going to win the primary, he's going to win the presidency because he's speaking to like the forgotten American worker and just like regular average Joe people in a way that's like refreshing. It was blunt. It was honest. It was edgy. Um, it made politics exciting. And I mean, you can look over the last five years in politics for a lot of people became like a religion or a sport or like just the way that you see people treating each other on Twitter. It's like you're on these different sports teams and it, it's totally changed politics forever, in my opinion. Um, but we got behind him and started pushing um, with merchandise. Um, we helped organize the chalking. Um, and got a lot of young people very excited. I think people underestimated, you know, everybody always says colleges are so liberal and, you know, it's these brainwashing factories and everything. But we really showed that um, overnight we had, I think it was 265 campuses across the country went out and put pro-Trump messaging all over campus and chalk. And like the response was pretty expected. It was like a total freak out over chalk that washes away when it rains. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't this big deal, but the, the real shock I think was people at these campuses thought that they had 
the game already won. They thought they already had control over the hearts and minds of everybody. And we showed them that, no, there there is a large silent majority of people that don't agree with this, you know, crap that you're shoveling down everybody's throats. Um, so, yeah, like, and over time, we became probably one of the biggest um, sellers of Trump merchandise um, for, especially for, like, an organization that's like, we're not solely political. That's just like one of the things that we cover. We're really more into culture, music, sports, um, politics, just kind of like becomes one of those things that we touch on. And it's, it's been so interesting that like the response that we get, um, from a lot of people, like people freak out, even to this day, they're like, when did old road get political? Like I'll see that Mm -hmm. on any time we post something that's like even slightly political. I'm like, it's been political since the beginning. Um, It's just a uh, we take a much different approach. And it, it just seems that like the progressive side, it's it's so interesting to me that the the fact that a brand in a field full of brands that are highly, highly liberal might be slightly conservative or think slightly different than them. They don't want you to exist like on a daily basis for years. You know, I've gotten death threats. We've had, you know, people go after us in like just really inappropriate ways and everything. And it's just, it's for someone that's supposed to be progressive and open-minded, um, or not someone, uh, like a culture of, you know, liberals who are supposed to be progressive and open-minded. They're not very open-minded when you might have a disagreement with them, even if it's like a reasonable disagreement or, um, you know, a very polite disagreement, there's just no room for any dissent. And I think that you're starting to see that more and more, um, shine his head in public with, you know, the, the top down approach of, you know, the Biden administration is coming out like they were directing, you know, Facebook to silence people that are dissenting on certain issues. And then you see these these uh, platforms starting to do it on their own. We've had issues with getting shadow banned. My personal Twitter was banned on Election Day over a joke, which I still think was very funny and I don't apologize for. Um, <laughs> what what it, was the joke? So, yeah, so the the story about me getting banned, so I was banned uh, around lunchtime on election day. So this is before any of the controversies. There was nothing coming out. You know, it's it's become a very controversial thing to take any sort of position on voter integrity issues that came up from it or, um, you know, any of that stuff. Like, my ban had nothing to do with that. I got trolled by my group chat of like my close personal friends. Someone sent this link and, uh, you know, when you send a link through text message, it kind of has like the preview on iPhone where you can see the article and it has the, the headline and the yeah. image. It was a 538 article, uh, Nate Silver's blog. Right. And the headline was we move. It was something I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of like we move Trump um, from a five percent chance of winning to 15 percent. You know, um, read the article to find out why. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is crazy. On Election Day, when a a story like that comes out, I was like, that's kind of big news if they're already, you know, conceding that point. So I click it and the 538, I think the I was actually an L. So it was a fake URL. (laughs) And it redirected to a Barry Wood meme, which is like the famous naked black guy with the monster dong. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, fuck, you guys got me. I was like, that's really funny. Like, I I totally fell for it hook, line, and sinker. So I was like, I'm going to get my followers with this. This is funny. So I tweeted it without even a caption. There wasn't anything inappropriate. It was just a link. (laughs) Five minutes later, banned forever. And I've reached out through um, some friends at the Daily Caller actually gave me it's it's really hard to reach a live person at Twitter. They make that Mm -hmm. intentional. And there is no like real appeals process. I think my email appeal took 
60 days or something to even get a response. And they were like, nope, it's permanent. And they said it was for platform manipulation, which I'm guessing means um, since there was a, a, a redirect URL and it was like tricking the customer. But I'm like, it was not like a spam thing where you're you know sending them to a place to shop or like steal their credit card. It was like a joke. <laughs> it's just crazy to me that like reasonable heads can't prevail to see like, you know, this wasn't even a serious thing. There was no take, no stance given. It was literally a joke. It was yeah. for laughs. Um, but uh, yeah, I was able to actually reach out to a couple real Twitter employees. One of them said he was going to help me. And then after he asked who had given out his email and I told him and I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to give it out to anybody. Um, mm. I was like, you know, I kind of laid out my case. I was like, this seems a bit over the top. Could you, you know, see about helping me out? And then he ghosted me after I, you know, probably made the mistake of letting him know who gave out his email. And I'm sure he's probably yeah. changed his email address, but it's just gotten like crazy. Like, like reasonable people can't even have fun. Like social media used to be fun. And now it's like, if you do anything outsort, like outside of like the approved talking points, you'll get de-boosted you know, you'll get shadow banned. Maybe you'll get like a 30 day suspension. Um, maybe you'll get banned permanently. Um, if it's real bad, supposedly they share information between these companies. And not only will you get banned on like Twitter, they'll just wipe you off of every major social platform in the same day. We've started yeah. to see that happen to people. And it's, it kind of goes back to, you know, when it happened to guys like Alex Jones, it was kind of funny. It was like, Oh, well, you know, he's, he's kind of kooky. He's kind of weird. Like, Oh, that's, that's strange. But really it seemed like, when you look at what's happening now and then look back, they always kind of do this like test balloon with people that no one's really going to say anything about. It's they, they want to see like, all right, can we push the envelope a little further and see are people actually going to get outraged or do we, are we going to prove that like no one actually cares and no one's going to stand yeah. up for principles? Like people always talk about, Oh, the first amendment is uh it only protects you from the government. But like, the, the concept of free speech isn't just the First Amendment. It's like a culture. America used to have a culture of free speech of like someone would say something dumb and you'd be like, oh, that guy's an idiot, but, you know, it's his yeah. right to have his opinion. That kind of idea has shifted, it feels like, where now it's someone says something stupid instead of being like, yeah, that guy's dumb. I don't like him, but that's his right to say whatever. It's I need to, you know, annihilate him from the face of the earth. Like we need to take him off of everything. We need to make sure he, he can't have a job. Like he can't have a PayPal account. No, no cash app. There's, you know, we, we sh sure don't want him having a bank account. Like that's yeah. crazy to me. Like, and it seems like it's accelerating so fast and it starts with these test balloons that they do, you know, like an Alex Jones type to just to see, you know, what is the, the reaction from everybody. And that's gotten a little disturbing. And, you know, obviously I've, I've had a little bit of the censorship happen to me in uh, my personal experience, but um, yeah, kind of kind of went on a, a rambling rant there. But that's kind of like yeah, the the story from where we were to where we are now, and you know yeah. now things are going pretty well. We're you know t we, now that the the Trump campaign is over, we don't he hasn't announced for twenty twenty four. You know we're we're doing some stuff for Desantis. We got the the can't miss DeSantis stuff, but we always kind of try yeah. to pick out people that reflect um, if we are going to do political merchandise, people that kind of reflect um, the base and like our base and like what they actually mm -hmm. think. Like we're not, 
I see a lot of other groups that will promote, you know, anybody on their side, no matter who it is. That's not really yeah. what we do. We're very picky and choosy about um, people that we push and we want to make it fun. Like our DeSantis stuff is like the can't miss DeSantis and he's playing like beer pong. It's not always yeah. like a super serious type thing. And I think that yeah. that's what makes our brand fun, especially for conservatives, because there's not a lot of options out there for young conservatives, may, maybe under the age of like 30. Um, every corporation in the world is making stuff for the opposition. Not a lot of people are catering to them. And that's like the niche that we've really carved out. And it's been super successful for us. And, you know, I kind of encourage people like there is a large audience here with a lot of people that want to support people that share their values, or even if it's not a hundred percent the same, it's just a little different than what you see it, you know, in ESPN or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, there's a lot of room for brands, maybe not the same as I, I don't want to encourage anybody to become a competitor, but, um, there, there is a, a large kind of untouched space that we found a lot of success in and, um, it's just been a lot of fun. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You know, you talked about cancel culture. You talked about how hard it is to really have these differentiating uh, views in the political environment in which we live. You have the audacity to disagree with these people. They want to call you a racist, a sexist, and try to cancel you in your livelihood. So for old road to make the decision to align themselves with the right, to align themselves with conservatives, what went in that for you? And then what gave you kind of the courage and conviction to kind of see that through and carry it out? I mean, it's really, it just came down to like, it was something I wanted to do. Um, I'm passionate about it. Um, and I, I, I think you touched on this in kind of your opening statement that like about culture, I think that one of the biggest misses that the conservative movement makes is no one ever really messes around in culture, or if they do, it seems very forced and manufactured and not organic or authentic. There's a lot of stuff like that we post that a lot of people would consider is not conservative. Um, a lot of the the party culture type stuff and that sort of thing, but we just like do our own our own thing. We don't try to be anybody that we're not. Um, 
But I think that that's where we found so much success is that when we tie some of these conservative type things into culture, it's so unique because no one else either is brave enough to do it or they're actually not very authentic in the first place. So when they try to do it, it just seems comes off as fake to people. And I think that in a, a brand like ours, like authenticity and just being true to who you actually are is invaluable. Like it, you can't really replace that. You can't fake it. Um, and it's, it's been something that we strive to always, we always try to, to take a step back and like, look at things and make sure like, you know, there's some things that you know, some of my team wants to do sometimes that we have to be like, eh, this doesn't really like, yeah, it might make money and it might be a really good idea, but does it fit like who we are? Does it fit the voice of our brand? And I think that just any brand in general, you know, not even politics aside, I think that's su such an important thing as like a business person is to make sure that you're always like using the voice of your brand and being true, like your customers kind of um, build this loyalty when you don't fake stuff to them and you don't put out these like contrived messages or just things just because every other company's out there, you know, doing something for, you know, whatever month it is like um, just, you know, serve the needs of your customers and make sure like you're true to, to your brand. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that kind of commitment, you know, to you guys' brand and also the, you, you guys commitment just to overall cultural impact, one thing I found really interesting is the amount of people my age go to school with me. They're conservative, you know, and, and whatnot, but they're not political, right? But they, they have conservative values and ideals. They're all like Ron DeSantis fans now. And it, it kind of goes to the point, uh, the point that is like, you guys were right about Donald Trump in the beginning. But I think that also, too, like you just said, you know, you guys have kind of pivoted to pumping DeSantis merch. So I think, like, really the broader question is, like, is old Roe making presidents now? Like, is that, is that really the business? <laughs> I, I would love to think that I have that, that power. Um, but don't, don't tell anybody that we'll get too many people like, you know, <laughs> trying to come after us if they think that I'm like the magic King maker, but <laughs> no, it's like, it's kind of just like identifying trends. Like you look at the pollsters and the pollsters are always so wrong in, in every fashion. And to me is because a lot of the people like answering polls and stuff are like hyper partisan, hyper political yeah. when, yeah, like Trump, a lot of the people that went voted for him were like first time voters. And it's just to me, when you look at, you know, even DeSantis stuff, you see people chanting his name at the beach. You see people. Yeah. Now, it's the same thing, like with the Trump boats, with the flags everywhere. You're starting to see that everywhere. It's like, it's, it's almost, I don't even know that grassroots is the right word for it. Cause to your yeah. point, most of these people are not political. And yeah. I think most of the country is not political and things like Twitter are very, very misleading. Like there's a very small part of the, the population that's even on Twitter and they act like both sides act like the people on there, the verified blue checks, they're representing the voice of all these people. When in, yeah. in reality, these are on both sides, people on a platform like that are the most hyper-partisan and really can't relate to average normal people at all. And yeah. it's kind of like taking a step out of that and like looking at what's going on on the ground with people and kind of just seeing like, is there momentum towards certain things like culturally to me yeah. is a better indicator of a larger shift either way. Um, and I, I think we certainly saw that in like 2015 and 2016. Um, and you're starting to see that now with DeSantis, I think. Um, yeah. And it's it's been very interesting to watch. Because yeah. a lot of people, I think, on both sides just don't like politicians in general. So when you start to get someone that's like very popular, that's 
an interesting phenomenon in American po- politics because most elected officials are not popular at all. They're like pretty cringe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like if you also too like just from interactions with again like that apolitical crowd of people, it's not necessarily that they either really like they if you ask them are you Republican they'll be like yeah, but they don't look at issues through that lens. They just have really passionate responses are certain like they think that men should not play women's sports they think that you know that critical race theory is wrong all that stuff and that leads them to where they are politically but it's not as if like there are these twitter personalities who are just kind of fueling that partisan divide they're just people who like really are just like damn desantis is a badass and it's like so wild to me because it's like this is the governor of of some state like he's a politician He's not Dave Portnoy. He's not like any of these people, but they literally view him in the same way. And I think that like what we've really seen is the power of culture. It's bringing in all these new voters. You pointed it out. You know, all these people who voted for Trump and the reason they don't show up in the polls is because they literally are not consistent voters. They vote when they yeah. feel led to vote. They, they vote when they feel inspired to vote. And so I think that really leads to the point where you just made is that the right has been critically missing a real strategy when it comes to winning the culture war, you know, as someone at the forefront of that, what's the game plan? What's the play? How does the right get more competitive in that space? Well, I think some of it also is like broken promises. I mean, you have for so many, um, for so many years, people get elected to office and they promise the world and then nothing ever really changes, you know, for someone that's working, you know, a nine to five job, um, that, you know, is, it's tough to make ends meet. Like, what motivation is there to to go out and vote when it just seems like it doesn't really matter who gets elected? Everything kind of stays the same and nothing really gets better for their own personal life. I think, like, when people are able to speak to those type of people and just make them feel like they're being listened to, I think that that's a big thing that that a lot of politicians miss on any spectrum. Um, And I, I think so many people are just fed up with everything. I mean, just look at the way that politicians treated corporations versus the way they treated people during this whole uh, pandemic. I think a lot of people feel left behind even more than, you know, before 2015. It's it's a really interesting phenomenon to watch. So I, I think that occasionally you get the the very exciting, and you even see them on the left too with like guys like Bernie. You see people that are exciting and speak to, um, you know, those kind of forgotten men and women um, in a way that it gets them interested in politics again. Um, and it doesn't really matter what the the message is. It's like the fact that they're being heard. And that's why I think a lot of that part of the population will swing vote because um, yeah. they're just looking for someone that they think is actually going to represent them. And there's yeah. a lot of different ways to go about that. There's obviously a ton of different disagreements you can have on like any policy. Um, but I think that that's uh, something that the the conservative movement could do better about like the establishment conservatives for the longest time. Just they hammer so much on like limited government and pro business stuff. It just really comes off as they're serving the interests of these like mega corporations. But like, what have you done for, you know, Jim Bob down the street that like is really struggling to not lose his house because he's behind on his mortgage. Like it's, it's, Principles only go so far when like the reality doesn't really line up for like an average type person. Yeah. And that's why I think guys like DeSantis and guys like Trump and guys like Bernie and even AOC um, appeal yeah. to a lot of people that might not be traditional voters. Yeah. And I think what you're also seeing, too, I think is really a, a shift, even among older voters who I think have kind of been 
the GOP faithful, even them, they're not even talking about tax cuts much anymore. Uh, they're not even talking about mm-hmm. kind of a, the, the typical, you know, Republican agenda of 2012, the Romney era of things, because like now it's really about these big culture war issues. It's about yeah. protecting sports. And about- that's actually pretty interesting because like the tax cuts, they, they really do work. Like we saw under yeah. Trump, like people, like it's so funny, they act like, um, 2020 was like the only year Trump was in office. Like the first three years yeah. he was in office, we had the greatest economy in the history of this country. People like yeah. seem to just kind of forget about those three years. And a lot of that had to do with the, uh, the trade wars he was waging and the Trump tax cuts and that sort of thing. But like, to your point, everything seems like it's shifting so fast. It's really moving away from economic politics to cultural yeah. politics. And the right is very behind on even addressing it. And when they do address it, it seems like there's no consistent message. They flip flop on a lot of things. There's some things that I think there's a lot of people that are very conservative that get turned off by uh, the right kind of accepting and moving forward. It's like you're you, a lot of times they just sound like Democrats from the 90s. Like It's a uh, it's a very interesting phenomenon. And I don't think that the the party itself is very united in that front. I don't think that there's been enough discussion. It seems like that a lot of the discussion about these issues is avoided because people don't want to get censored on social media yeah. or they don't want to get, you know, blacklisted from, uh, you know, certain black tie parties and things of that where like respectable Republicans go to. So like there's a, a large amount of the base that's very, I think, very unhappy with the direction of the party. And it seems like there's this kind of internal struggle that's about to happen within the party probably as we go into the next primary season. Um, but I think that establishment Republicans would be wise to listen to the base because like we saw, you know, under Trump, a, lo- a lot of it just has to do with turnout, get people fired up and passionate about something. If you force your messaging down their throats and it's not what they agree with, they're not going to come vote for you. And I think yeah. that depending on, you know, who wins the primary and everything, like we might see something like that happen and it could end up being a total disaster for conservatives. So I think that some of those discussions, they might not be super comfortable but they're probably going to need to happen within the next year or two as you know, Republicans decide, like, who are we going to be in um, you know, pro- post-Trump presidency? It seems like a lot of people want to go back to like George Bush-style politics. A lot of people you know, think that Trump didn't get enough done as president. Like, a, a lot of his, uh, the policies he ran on, they were all about, but like, you know, not to necessarily his fault, but it's like the amount of stuff they tangled him up in and even mm-hmm. Republicans that were tying him up and just delaying everything. Like there was a lot of things that I think that people on the, the right wanted to see happen that just didn't quite get there. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see play out. And I, I honestly don't know how that's going to turn out. It seems like the establishment usually wins in the long run. So yeah. um, if that happens, I think, you know, do guys like me try to go back and like revisit libertarianism? I don't know. Um, yeah. I've kind of had enough of their nonsense. So it's uh, it puts people that, you know, weren't super happy with the status quo prior to 2015 back in like, a all right, is it worth even showing up type box? So It'll be interesting to see how that yeah, plays out. That's, and that's going to be the biggest question, I think, moving forward as the party, as we inch closer and closer to 2024, but even in further election cycles, where do we go from here? And I think what the right will really quickly learn is that if they do try to push us back to those McCain-Romney days, they're not going to have the energy of people like me, like you, uh, and so many people who are really passionate and passionate for the conservative cause, because I'm sorry, but Mitt Romney doesn't excite me. John McCain didn't <laughs> excite me. Um, I would not have been as vocal or at least as outspoken um, 
if that's the guy that I have to support, you know, like mm -hmm. this lukewarm type of conservatism that doesn't actually really achieve anything is more about achieving the respectability or the respective people that hate us. And is that about actually delivering on conservative ideas and causes, um, which I think like people want a fighter. It's, it's why so many people love DeSantis. You have like the entire, like no fucks given attitude of Donald Trump, but you also have like the governor side of him, which is like a policy mastermind. So it's like, you take these cultural issues and it's like, he gets it done. And it's just such a perfect blend. But I yeah, think he seems like he's like, to me, like a more polished Donald Trump. It's like yeah. a little bit less like off the cuff, but he still has a bit of that edge. But yeah, to your point, like I think policy wise, like he's Trump came from like a non-political background. So I think that he really did get lost in the weeds when it came to trying to navigate. How do you get policy passed and like all that? Like, how do you deal with Washington? Um, yeah. DeSantis is formidable in the fact that like he comes from a political background, knows how like to win and get some of that. We're seeing a lot of stuff getting passed in Florida that isn't yeah. getting passed across the country. So like clearly he knows what he's doing. So that's why I think that um, he is, you know, someone I have my eye on is having a very bright future. Yeah. So to sidestep politics for a bit and, and to, to wrap up here and to leave uh, folks with this, I think your origin story is so interesting to so like young people listening. How did you not necessarily, how did you do it, but what did it take for you? Yeah. Um, um, and how could they do that if they wanted to, to me, it's all about, um, grind. So like working at a startup full time and then doing this on the side, there was like a lot of weekends where my friends were out partying, where I stayed back and worked, or I would work to like midnight on, you know, I'd get home from work at six, take a little break, maybe go to the gym, get dinner. And then like nine to midnight working on work stuff. So like, to me, it's having a really, really good sense of work ethic and putting in hours that other people aren't willing to do. It's not really rocket science. Like you, like I have an MBA, but you don't need to go to business school to learn basics about how to run a Shopify store, or like, you know, how to manage inventory. Like, obviously that helps, but there's a ton of different resources on like YouTube. Like you can self-educate um, learning how to do quite a lot of this. And honestly, a lot of it's learning by like trial by fire, like learning how to do it. Um, but I think it is so important that like more young conservatives start starting companies. And I don't see, you always hear these talking points, um, on the conservative side about like business and everything, but I don't see a lot of people encouraging people to go into business for themselves or even run a side hustle, like learn, see if it's something you want to do. Um, because it's a lot harder to get, you know, canceled or, whatever, if you own your own company and it, it allows people to have a little bit more freedom, um, with their voice, um, and just monetary freedom. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really cool thing. Like the whole kind of school system always pushes people to go into like corporate life. And I did that, you know, for a very small time right after college and it's not for everybody. And I think that, um, a lot more people would be very happy with what they do, um, for a living, if they're doing something for themselves, um, excuse me, and that's uh, something that they're passionate about. I think it's so cool when, uh, when you're able to see the results over, you know, even a couple of years when you're building something for yourself, like to see kind of like push yourself to see where that can get to. And then for some people, you know, like me, it ended up in a, in an acquisition, which was, you know, life-changing. It was really cool. Um, but you're never going to to be in a position like that if you're just working a regular corporate like cubicle type job. Is you might make a, a good living, but it's it's never 
going to be like game changing like that. So like it is risky to to go off on your own and start a company. And it's scary sometimes because like there's no one else doing the work for you. It, you really yeah. have to learn a lot of different hats. Like there's, you're not going to be like just the accountant or you're not going to be, you know, just the supply chain guy. Like you have to learn how to do everything. Cause no one, yeah. like you're doing it for yourself. Um, so I think that like entrepreneurship should be a focus um, in general for society. Like, I think we should be pushing more young people to, to try um, things, even if it's like a side business and, you know, maybe you're just doing it on weekends or maybe even one day a weekend. Um, but like bring in some, you know, extra income and start to build up skills that maybe are different than like basic corporate skills. I just think like everybody's been kind of conditioned to accept that, like, you know, you, you, there's this path that you need to take. You got to go to high school. You got to graduate. Then you got to go to college. Like if you don't go to college, you're going to be a loser. Um, you know, after college, you either got to go work for a fortune 500 company or you got to go to grad school. Um, if you don't, you're a loser. Like, you know, don't, don't do a blue collar job. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like, it seems like everybody's always being told that there's this magic path to success. And in my experience, it's just so far from the truth. Um, you could start a business. Um, you could go, uh, become like a plumber's apprentice. I have a friend that started a, uh, he went to college, graduated, and he started a plumbing company in his hometown and most of the plumbers were over 60 years old and they started retiring. He had a, a, I think a rough couple of years when he was like getting started, he was like self-taught, um, on how to do all that stuff. And then as they started to retire, he was the youngest, the only young guy in town doing it. And now he's basically taken all of their business because they would retire and say, well, go to this guy. He'll be around for a while. And he's super, super, super successful. And it's a job. A lot of people, you know, that might work at, you know, some job making, 45, 50 grand a year that work in a cube might look down on, but he's making like 10 times what they make. And so I, I think that like teaching people that when you start a business, like your destiny is kind of in your own hands. Um, it, it builds up so much work ethic. It builds like personal responsibility. Um, it builds respect for what other people build. There's a lot of people I might disagree with on politics and stuff um, that I, I see what they build. And I like have a, a big respect for you know, what they've accomplished, even if we can disagree on like other things, because I've, yeah. I've understood like how hard it is to build something. It's not easy. It it's, takes like relentless effort, just constant, constant effort. And I think like if more people were even shown that that could be a possibility to have like, you know, a very successful career and everything, they would maybe take that. And I think a lot of people would be a lot happier than, you know, working at an Amazon or a Walmart or whatever major corporation that, you know, you might move up a cog each year. And to me, yeah. that's just, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I, I kind of f- had to find that out myself. Um, but, uh, because no one was, was telling you that. And then it, taking the leap to go do it yourself is like one of the scariest things in the world. Yeah. But, you know, worst case scenario, it fails. You go find another job a year later. Like if if you're young enough, I think like if you have a good idea and a general um, understanding of how to implement that as a business, why not give it a shot? If you're under like 25, if you're, you know, if you're not married, if you don't have any responsibilities that come along later in life, like that's the time to try something like that. And I think it's, um, it's just really cool when people go do that and then you see them just take off like, you know, a superstar. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. But I think it's yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's it's that eat what you kill kind of or you know kind of attitude, and it's just it, it makes you go even harder because it's like literally you either entrepreneurship. I think it forces you to like ask yourself or forces you to push yourself because it's like if you don't, 
win, like, what are you going to do? It's kind of like, yeah. what else? And like, especially for people who like don't really fit well within that system, like of like being told what to do or taking those orders when you're your own boss, like who can cancel you? Like you, I, <laughs> I posted that picture with all those like random guns the other week and then random people were commenting this is not going to look good for employers. Like I'm my employer. Like, <laughs> like it looks good to me. So yeah. I don't know what you're saying. And Plus, so, yeah, it depends on where you are. And here in Texas, they might, you might get a couple uh yeah, you're hired like immediately because yeah, like, they're like, yeah, I want to work with a guy like Texas, this. <laughs> you know? But it's just like, that's the entire thing. Like when you're like employer, you got to answer somewhere or whatever. These mm-hmm. woke corporations, like you, you like, they are your boss, but like when you can build something of your own, you yeah. like Dave Portland says that you can only be canceled if you care. And like, why should we care? Like literally yeah. why should we care? I think that it, the other thing that it does is it kind of also um, educates you by doing um, some of the, the issues that you always hear like on the, the news about like regulations and big government and taxes. Once you have a business and you start to have to deal with regulations and deal with taxes, you realize like, all right, yeah, this isn't very fun. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it's just some of it's so broken too. There was like one time for the state of Texas, I needed like some business form um, for like the state comptroller or something. I don't know. It was like some filing thing and their website wasn't working. So I had to go to like the state comptroller's office and it's like a DMV. Yeah. And you wait all day there to like fill out this paper that like could have been like, it's just so broken. It's like you start to just see like this paperwork just to have paperwork, like none of it makes sense. And it's like, why is this necessary? Yeah. And then you get hit with tax bills on like, you know, um, depending on how you obviously everybody can structure a business differently, but you start to see like the taxes come through. It's like a, a, a very significant amount of the money that you make. And then you have to plan that into the prices to your customers and your margin, everything. It's like, it, uh, it becomes a lot of work when you're just like, you know, you might have this dream and you're just like, I just want to go out and do this and make my customers happy and everything. A lot of this other stuff really does get in the way and it's very burdensome. And I think like as an entrepreneurship, you start to become a little more aware on these issues. And I think it does make people at least, maybe not on social issues, but certainly on, on financial issues, a bit more fiscally conservative because it affects you. It affects you pretty significantly. Um, and that's been one of like, you know, the things that I have experienced that hasn't been so fun. It's not everything about like, you know, running a brand or whatever is fun. Like a lot of it is very, very hard work, very tedious, very, sometimes very annoying. Um, yeah. and it's just part of the game. You, you got to learn to have to roll with the punches, um, because that's the reality that we live in, unfortunately. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Well, man, thanks so much uh, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I love it whenever we can chop it up. Uh, Again, thanks so much for taking the time, Mike. Absolutely. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parler, Facebook, and Telegram, Instagram, all the apps. Username is at DCJ Pearson. Special thanks to my producer, Robert. The man, Robert, um, is always just helping us out over here. Couldn't do it without him. Our writer, Aaron, researcher, Margaret Smith, and our executive producers, Debbie Myers, and of course, the man, Speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Thank you so much, guys. I'll see you next week. Hey guys, CJ Pearson here. Join us right here on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts for the same hard-hitting truth because we'll never stop fighting for you. Right here on CJ Pearson Uncensored. CJ Pearson Uncensored.
part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.